Music Biz Weekly this week. This is a fun episode because we just talk about music and fans this time. There's no best practices. There's no music strategies. There's no music marketing. This is for people who love music. And we talk to an amazing author and we talk a lot about Elton John and his history and fandom and you name it. Just sit back. This is an enjoyable, fun episode. You don't need to. You don't need to take notes this time. There's no homework for this episode. Yep. Enjoy. Welcome to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, founded in 2011, and with over 500 weekly episodes, where Michael Brandvold and Jay Gilbert, two longtime music industry pros, discuss the very latest trends, tools, and tactics that you need to succeed in this new music. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. One of your two co-hosts, Michael Branvold, joined by Jay Gilbert. How are we doing, Jay? Doing great. We're, we're, we're mixing we're, it up a little bit. We're, we're, oh, we're yeah, sporting we're the, the matching the, hats. We're sporting the purple. This was not planned, people. Go, this go, was not go planned. Vikings. I mean, it ain't it, <laughs> it it ain't been a lot of pretty wins, but there's still doesn't, W's in the column. Matter. You know. That's right. <laughs> we yep. as, as life, a good day. As lifelong Vikings fans, we will take whatever makes a win happen Thank because you very much because we we are both sitting here going one of these weeks the bottom's just going to fall out and we're going to not win another game for the next two years i yeah. mean it's just yeah <laughs> we're just enjoying it we're you know, enjoying being it. in the moment yeah 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 that's right so um before we get yeah. into this week's uh interview just a quick shout out and thank you to bruce and hypebot and bands in town for all your support and of course just reminding everybody head over to bandsintown.musicbizweeklypodcast.com join us for the great discussions that go on in the bands and town artist community. And of course, thank you to our sponsors, bandzoogle.com built by musicians for musicians. Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. Bandzoogle powers the websites for tens of thousands of musicians around the world from weekend warriors to Grammy winners. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including hosting, and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscriptions, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and of course, amazing live tech support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. We got a great offer we put together for you. Head over to bandzoogle.com, sign up, try it for free, completely free for 30 days use the promo code music biz weekly when you register and you'll get 15 percent off the first year of any subscription subscription mm -hmm. and of course discmakers.com we know it's a digital world but there's still an important role for physical media for today's musicians digital royalty payments can be so small that selling products like cd vinyl and even t-shirts Online and at gigs has become such an important income generator. For every CD you sell at a gig, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. We got a great offer from Disc Makers for every one of our listeners out there. Head over to discmakers.com, place an order for 100 or more CDs, and check out, use the promo code FREEBIZ, 
and you'll save up to $150 in shipping costs. Jay, who's joining us this week? One of my favorite authors uh, when it comes to rock and roll and the music business, uh, Jillian Gar is joining us to, you know, tell us about some of the books she's written on the music industry. And, and we talk about music fandom. Um, yeah, Jillian Gar. Let it roll and we'll see you at the end. Com. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow and rate us on Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate your Today we're joined by author Jillian Gar, um, and we are thrilled. Jillian, thanks so much for, for joining us. Well, it's great to be here. Love doing these things. Well, you know, I've known your name for a long time. Um, I've seen some of your work. Um, my brother's raved about you for a long time, so I feel like I, I know you. And you've, you've written several books. Um, and we'll, I want to get into the, the Elton John book because it's absolutely fantastic. But before we do, tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get to be an author and write books you know, about Elton John and Jimi Hendrix and women in music and all of these things? How did you get uh, to where you are? Well, uh, it started with the first book, which was She's a Rebel, The History of Women in Rock and Roll. And that came about through my working at The Rocket because I... Uh, wrote a story and uh, writing about music, a female musician coming to town. And I happened to mention, yeah. oh yeah, there's like another women in rock thing going around in the media now. Yeah. But I mean, Tell people what rock. the rocket is for those who don't oh, know. Yeah. I mean, okay. I've, I love the rocket. I yeah. grew up on the rocket. I've been, I've photographed things for the rocket, but tell people what the rocket is. Well, the rocket was a monthly and then later a bi-monthly. It was never a weekly as I've seen somewhere that uh, started in Seattle, Washington in, I think the first issue was 79. And you know, it's very interesting. The first cover uh, featured um, a fellow standing in front of what was then called Triangle Recording. And it was about the recording scene in Seattle at the time in 79, yeah. And what's fascinating about that is that Triangle Recording became the sort of ground zero for sub pop. Uh, many classic records from sub pop artists were recorded at Triangle Recording, this small studio that I think was smaller than mm -hmm. my apartment. Uh, Nirvana's Bleach, <laughs> you might heard that there. Yep. Some of the first tracks by Soundgarden. Um, and then I think Green River, who later went on to be Mudhoney and Mother Lovebone, who became Pearl Jam, all that stuff started there. And that was a music monthly, music and entertainment. It always yeah. covered. Um, film too, and books and other popular culture stuff, anything that was cool or different. And then in 93, in the wake of the grunge explosion, it became a bi-monthly, or that might have been 92. No, I think it was 93. In any case, it was a bi-monthly for a while. Uh, and then you can imagine now there were sort of three big print publications that covered the more alternative stuff that a daily wouldn't cover. It was the Weekly and the Stranger and the Rocket all battling it out for supremacy and the mm. rocket was the first to fall in 2000 yeah. and um yeah it's and funny so you uh, wrote for the rocket right I wrote for the rocket uh they laid me off in 97 and i wrote a bit for the weekly and then mostly for the stranger and the strangers around online but not print it used to be thick print 100 pages or so nor is the weekly it's interesting thinking about all that just being gone but The yeah. Rocket was, um, though we did cover film and other stuff, the main focus was music. So um, 
it was the paper that artists liked to talk to when they came to town instead of the daily, because you were going to get more interesting questions and you were going to speak to an audience of music fans and not just a daily paper audience is, you know, everybody. Right. Um, so that was a fun thing about it. And that's where I got my start. And it led to all these things that have happened since. And this editor at Seal Press, which was then based in Seattle, um, saw the article I'd written and mentions how, you know, there's always been women in rock, blah, blah. And she thought, yeah, it'd be great to do a book on that. So that was how I got my first book deal for She's a Rebel, which came out in 92. And then there was a 10 year anniversary edition that came out in 2002 with three new chapters. Um, and then once you have one book, it did take a while. I didn't actually have another book come out until I think it was 2006. And I'd begun been thinking, geez, maybe that said I'll never get another book deal. But it is a little easier when you have one book out to get the next one. So the next book was on um, Green Day. Green Day, Rebels with a Cause that came out in 2006 on Omnibus, just after their sort of reemergence uh, in the wake of American Idiot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the other one hadn't come out. 21st Century Breakdown wasn't out yet. Um, and mine is the only Green Day biography out there that references Louis Bunuel, Hillary Clinton, and Margaret Cho. So that's <laughs> cer certainly something unique about it. Um, and then from there, you know, you just keep looking, I'd keep pitching publishers. Um, one time I was reading a book, Bowie in Berlin, that came out from Jawbone Press in the UK. It was about Bowie's Berlin period, three albums associated with Berlin. And I thought, you know, they should really do a book like that about Elvis and his comeback period of the late 60s and early 70s, because that's yeah. a period that really hadn't been looked at in much depth at that time. So they agreed, and that's what led to um, Return of the King, Elvis Presley's Great Comeback, which that in turn led to um, the Nirvana book, Entertain Us, The Rise of Nirvana. A lot of times what Jawbone did, a lot of their books will focus on a period in an artist's life and not just a whole band biography, a whole length biography. So you can really get gotcha. into a deep uh, yeah. period. So with Entertain Us, I said to them, my pitch to them was, well, let's do the early years. You know, there's been a book about the making of Nevermind. I also did a book mm -hmm. for the 33 and the third series on in utero. So that leaves the early years. So that's how I got that one. And I mean, what I like about that one is that when I read the John Savage book, England's Dreaming, about the punk scene mm -hmm. in England, which uh, I think it was early 90s. And I really wanted to do a book like that about the Seattle scene. So I think Entertained Us is kind of my version of that because gotcha. it's about Nirvana, but also just how did they happen in Seattle? Why was Seattle such a conducive environment for them? So then you have to explain that. And so, so this is what Sub Pop is and why they wanted to be on it. And this is how things started snowballing and led to everything that happened in the 90s. And I think it was probably the Nirvana work that got me hooked up with Quarto, which is the publisher of the Elton book. Uh, it's on Motor Books, which is a subsidiary of Quarto. And they had this other subsidiary called Voyager. And they were doing these books that are sort of uh, general overview histories of a group. They all had illustrated history in their head, uh, subtitle some way. So I did, um, I think it's Nirvana, The Complete Illustrated History. And the format of that book was that they had different authors write a different chapter. So I didn't write the whole book, but I wrote one Interesting. chapter. Interesting. Yeah. So then, because I'd written for Quarto, 
I just kept saying, well, are you doing any other books like this? So I ended up doing books on uh, The Doors and Springsteen and Hendrix for them of the same format. Though this time I wrote the main text and they would bring in other other writers to do, say, an album review or something. Um, and so this one, The Element 75, uh, it's it's their latest idea of what to do. Um, the first one they did in the series came out a couple months ago was Bowie at 75, um, where you just pinpoint 75 moments in that artist's life. Yeah. So it was yeah, my yeah. previous work, Porto, <clears throat> that they knew about me and et cetera. So that's how I ended up with them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's that's quite a lot. I, I I'm a huge... I'm uh, on and on. <laughs> No, no, no. It's all good. You know, I, I love so much of that music uh, that you cover. And just by coincidence, you know, I have a friend that's in Elton John's band. I've been a, a fan of Elton John my, my entire life. You know, I think I shared with you a, a photo of me and Elton when I had hair and <laughs> I had just read the biography me oh, and it, had, I bought it years ago, but it sat on my um, nightstand with other books um, I always found something else that I needed to read first. And finally I got around to reading it just before I heard about Elton at 75. Mm. So it was, it was perfect timing for going through that book, which is an amazing book. Um, first of all, uh, Elton me, but it kind of got me back to, you know, I started listening to the albums again and kind of rediscovering Elton all over again, as we do. And uh, I was, I was really stunned when I saw what you had put together because it was so comprehensive, but there was things in there that I hadn't seen anywhere else. And that's, that's sort of rare when you see either images or scans of documents or things like that. Like, where did this come from? <laughs> are, are you kind of a, a, a lifelong Elton fan? Were you, was this a labor of love? How did that come about? Um, well, certainly I've liked him since the seventies. Uh, all the artwork, though, that's Cordo's uh, art department or whoever they have for photo researchers. So I wasn't involved in that, thankfully, yeah. because it's not an easy job. Sometimes with other books, um, particularly the Nirvana ones, um, I'll refer photographers to my editor, whoever is doing that in the design, the art department, and say, well, maybe they can have maybe they have photos for you. But I wasn't involved with the photos for this, which... Um, yeah, they really delved in. They really delved in deeply. So, um, yeah, I don't know who was involved. In all that. You know what? And and maybe 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 because you weren't involved in that aspect of it. But I I'm always interested in what are the challenges a book author has to face and hopefully overcome when it comes to adding material, whether it's photos, sketches, drawings memos, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and doing that in a way that doesn't get you in legal hot water, you know, like you don't have the rights to that photo. You just put it in your book and we're suing, you know, is, is, is that, as you said, something you've never had to worry about that's always on the publisher's back or are you kind of in the middle of it going, well, gee, we really need something. Why can't you get something? Um, yeah, it really is more on the publisher's back, but I think um, what they do, they go through photo agencies 
So they have the photo agency would have the right to license the photo. Um, I know in other cases where I refer photographers, sometimes a photographer for this kind of thing will prefer to just deal with the publisher themselves, even if they work with a photo agency. Maybe they get another, you know, higher cut or something. But um, I know they rely on archives a lot because um, the photo researcher who did the who worked on the Jimi Hendrix book for the same publisher. I gave him a contact at the Museum of Pop Culture here in Seattle because they have a big archive. And I and he said, yeah, they got a lot of images from them. So um, kind of if you go through a third party like that, I think, you know, it eliminates the the legal concerns, which which are out there. Are 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 the the artists and or in some cases, the artist estates ever involved in what you're doing in want, do you want approvals? Do you want reviews or is your hope let's keep the artist and their estate out of this because that just muddies it? Well, I, I did do one book that was um, with an artist's estate. It was, it was Elvis and it was, let's see, what did that first come out as? I think the book was first called Elvis Remembered. And I was dealing with this uh, publisher called Carlton in the UK and was always talking about different ideas. And then and then the publisher was the one that that dealt with um, the Elvis estate, Elvis Presley Enterprises, EPE. And they had had a book called The Elvis Treasures that came out some years before, and they wanted to do a new version of it. Um, so so that was the brief. It was gonna be, it, it had to be different from the previous book, which I ha happened to have a copy of, which was great. So I um, I just put together an outline that was the other one was more chronological and mine was a bit more thematic. Like I had chapters on different aspects of Elvis that weren't just chronological, like Elvis in Hawaii, of course, two good interests yeah. Elvis in Hawaii. Um, and there, because it wasn't just with cooperation, it was authorized. And there's sort of a difference. Mm -hmm. Cooperation means that they will cooperate with you, but they don't get to approve every little thing in the book. Uh, except probably factual things. Uh, yeah, that was the problem with Sticky Fingers, as you may recall, the book that is not the album, the Jan Winter biography, where yeah. the author yeah. had Winter's cooperation, but not authorization. And then he didn't like the book. And now Winter has his own book out there. Yeah, but, um, I just got it. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> so when I when I put the outline together and then working on the book, my editor said, you know, EP has to approve this so you can't write about anything controversial. And, you know, that does kind of put put corsets on you as, as mm -hmm. it were. It does restrain yeah. you and you can't just go off. And that, that's one thing I don't like about it. But you see, yeah. I knew that going in. And so if that was going to be a problem, I should not have accepted the project, right? Mm -hmm. but right. I thought, okay, these are the ground rules and I have to play by them. Fine. I'll, I'll agree to that. You know, there's a way I can work within that. Um, yeah. And I never dealt with the estate myself. That was always the publisher's thing. The good thing yeah, for that was um, the publisher gave, uh, or rather the estate gave the publisher access to the archives. So the first book, the first edition of the book, it had facsimile memorabilia that you could take out, you know, like a reproduction of his library card or something. You could take out and look at it and put back in and a lot of photos. They've done subsequent editions under different titles that don't have the memorabilia. Obviously, a lot more inexpensive to produce. Sure. Um, but also, you know, they had access to all the photos, so it had a nice range of photos. So 
particularly if you're doing a visual book, that's obviously a major asset. You know, if you can yeah, get access yeah. to stuff that is not that common and not in everything else. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But tell it, me about this. Um, sorry. Tell me about this. The the Elton book. <clears throat> Did you now you're researching this? You're getting ready to write this. Did you reach out to their camp? Was a uh, and and when you got it completed have you shared it with elton and david have they seen it or commented on it what's your interaction with the uh elton camp um well when i got the deal um no i didn't reach out to them because i just assumed and this is usually how it works if if you're not working with the artist on a project they're probably not going to help you with yours so i just didn't bother um yeah. plus there really wasn't i think i did this in about six months so is that a quick time for you yeah. It was it was a little tight. I have a little more on my 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 next one. Um, I guess if you're doing nothing else, it probably would be enough time. But you know, there are other projects you're working on. You kind of have to fit it all in. Um, but yeah, there are times where you're just sort of grinding through every day. Um, yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, I didn't uh, approach them during it. And, yeah. So you you haven't shared it with them, as far as you know. No, Your publisher no. hasn't. Um, whatever. Cause I, I think he would appreciate it. You know, Elton's one of those people that memorizes facts and figures and chart positions. And he, he's a musicologist, unlike many that you've seen. Um, and I think that he would uh, really appreciate it. What goes into that? I mean, there's so much in here. What goes into the research? Where do you start? Um, well, first it, it starts with the list. Actually, a lot of things when I'm writing, I, I just think of it as kind of building up an outline really, and then just adding to it. Uh, like your first outline would be, what is each chapter gonna be on? And then, um, especially in a longer book, then if you're doing a chapter, then you sort of break that down. Well, I'm gonna write about this, 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 you know, just have the subjects and then just keep adding and building it up. These, you know, they're, there wasn't quite that much work. The main part was deciding what the 75 things were going to be. And uh, it's interesting. He's just so much a presence in our life. If you're interested in pop culture at all, that it was really easy to get a pretty substantial list going without even really doing any further research. Cause you think about all the hits in the seventies and, you know, you want to cover that, but it was supposed to encompass his whole life. So you don't just want to focus on the seventies. You want to make sure you cover the other sure. areas well too. Oh yeah. Even then, you know, we all think of the 70s hits period. That was his most creative, most influential, certainly. Um, but then you think about the later years, you think, oh yeah, well, he he played at <clears throat> Princess Diana's funeral. Obviously. Yeah. Moment. Biggest oh, yes, single of all knighted. time. He was knighted. And uh, yeah. oh, there's the Lion King and uh the other Tim music. Rice. So, yeah. So um and kind of balancing it out so that it's not all um the career stuff you know i had some personal things like uh his marriages and uh yeah. clean and sober that was obviously obviously Huge. a major for him yeah you know you, you think about it that was probably that was a really turning point in both his life and career because mm -hmm. getting clean and sober in 90 91 it just it paved the way for this whole new career he's he had subsequently uh all the energy he had <laughs> to yeah. be able to do all this stuff and go into all these many different directions that he's in now. Um, oh yeah. And you know, he's still working even, he's still out mm -hmm. there. And I was, I yeah. was thinking that say if my deadline had been six months from now, there are already two things that I would have put in there. He's working with Britney Spears. 
Mm -hmm. And the recent performance he did at the White House, where he received an honor, a citation for all his humanitarian work. Obviously, right. those are the big major deals that you'd want to mention. Yeah. <laughs> let, 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 let me ask you, you know, artists of the level that you're writing about almost always have these uber diehard fans that in many cases know more about the artists than the artists themselves know. <laughs> True, you yeah. know, they, they, they live, you know, they're every one of these artists, there's a fan website you could find that's got so much detail, so much facts, so much never before seen photos that, you know, I, you know, Jay and I come from the world of kiss and there's always something where it's like, yeah. geez, kiss doesn't even know that exists, but this fan's <laughs> got a photo of it. This fan yeah. has a documentation that this happened in the studio. Do you ever reach out and utilize that uber fan base to help give you material you know i don't think i've ever done it as far as material i know um i know one time i think it was for one of the nirvana books i pointed out this site live nirvana that would have uh series productions of flyers for different shows which for the early shows are kind of interesting but yeah publishers haven't been that in interested because of rights issues maybe sure like, oh oh sure i mean it becomes it becomes a nightmare for the publisher to to deal with and clear up but i guess the point is those fans have the details and the information well, that information yeah, yeah that that a lot of times you know as an author you may not even know it exists until you're like yeah. reading this and going oh my god i didn't even know that happened and you know yeah. the artist might yeah. even be playing it down but it's valuable for a book. Right. And as you said, Michael, the artist may not even know about some of these things because they don't remember everything. If you listen yeah. to Elton talk about his biography, he said that a lot of it was put together from memories of other people that he had spoken with that reminded him about certain things that had happened. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, I was going to say if, the images, if if you're not using them, it's certainly useful to look at those things because it might be the only place you see someone will put up a newspaper article, a scan of a newspaper article that you couldn't find anywhere else because not every newspaper has an online archive that you can look through. So yeah. those things are really useful. And then just the information in general. Um, a lot of times I'm assuming you can get you can get confirmation of something that you hadn't been able to confirm in any other ma matter, but this fan was able to, yes, here's a, here's a, here's a newspaper article that confirms Elton John said this, or this happened at this event, or, you know, this show was canceled, even though according to the artists, they played the show. I mean, yeah, a, a yeah. lot of times the fans for no other reason will be able to confirm yeah. what you are looking for. Yeah. You'll see an artist say, Oh, I played on such and such a date. And a fan mm -hmm. will post their ticket saying, no, the show was this date. Yeah. Because, you, know, you know, the actual ticket yeah, and the review yeah. from the exactly. next day or something. So, yeah, no, that's very useful. If you find, when, if you find whenever yeah. I found those kind of sites, those kind of fan sites, I just, I always bookmarked them. <laughs> yeah. To be able to get You back. know, when I, when I worked for Universal, we did a listening party because we had uh, Geffen and DGC. So we put out never mind and i was in the bay area and when the band came to town uh, on that tour we 
we had an event at Miss Pearl's Jam House oh. and there was probably 70 people there and I probably met 200 that said they were there. Um, <laughs> but what's really funny is, you know, when I read accounts of it online sometimes and they're just wrong, I was there in the room. Same thing with Crowded House. One of the early things they did when their first record came out is they played near where you live. They played at Salty's on Alki mm -hmm. and they played downstairs and they played for maybe 25 of us. And later on, I, I see accounts of that and they're just not accurate. I photographed it. I was there in the room. Yeah. <laughs> so I think you can just with fans and people in the industry that were around I'm sure there's a ton of great stories and, you know, information that you can get, you know, Mike has a podcast, a very popular podcast called three sides of the coin about kiss. And every time I listen to it, you know, they'll have guests on that will talk about different aspects of the band, whether it's production or touring or the outfits or the staging or, you know, the artwork. And there's so many details that, you know, you just, didn't know. And I would imagine covering some of the things that you cover, you know, like Elvis, for example, there's just, you know, it's like drinking from a fire hose. There's so much information <laughs> out there. I mean, it must be challenging for you to kind of whittle it down to maybe the important points that you want to make. Is that a challenge for you? Um, yeah, it can be. I mean, particularly if someone has a long career and, and they put out so many albums. I mean, do you list every album? Well, if not, then why do you list the ones that you do? So you have to you know, think of a justification <laughs> for that. Oh yeah, because again, you'll hear from the fans, those crazy fans will tell you, hey, how come these four albums aren't listed? <laughs> you sure will. Yeah, yeah, or with the musicals. I mean, you list the Lion King because that was the first one he did and it was so hugely popular. Yeah. But then he's done a number of other musicals. And I think I had a couple, I think I had at least one more in the list, but I thought, well, it might be too many. So I picked Billy Elliot because I think that's the second most popular. Certainly yeah. on stage, it's it's run the longest as a stage show and is always getting revived and touring and all that. Yeah. And as you know, Elton throughout his entire career has done duets with not just the popular like Kiki D that hit and things like that, or John Lennon, but just throughout his entire career, he's always he's never been afraid of other artists. That. No, not whether, and even if it's Eminem, right. you know, that was controversial, um, things like that. But another thing, you know, with Elton's career, I remember when I worked at Universal, we put together various packages on him, including mm. his box set and other things. And I remember, um, I have a pretty decent archive. I put together a four CD set just on B-sides that weren't on albums. You know what I mean? This guy is so prolific. And as you yeah. probably know better than most, he recorded cover tunes, you know, after Bluesology and did, you know, dozens of cover tunes from the day that were out on albums, you know, in, in Europe. And to get his whole discography together would be, I think, mind numbing. Well, yeah, he probably doesn't even know all the stuff he's played on, particularly in that late 60s period before he became famous. You know, yeah. he, was, he was a backing musician on so many recordings. Yeah. He doesn't remember. And then, yeah, those yeah. covers albums that he did, you know, the budget albums with knockoff versions of the hit songs. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Some of them made sense. <laughs> you know, I always wondered who decided he should sing To Be Young, Gifted and Black. I, mean, I know that was great. Back me up. Yeah. Yeah. That that's hilarious. Just, and, 
Go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, Jillian, is there, you know, as you were working on, on the Elton book, was there anything that you learned or found and maybe it didn't make the book because it didn't hit the 75 items you wanted to put in there, but something that you were like, wow, I did not know this. I've never seen this before. I've never heard of this before. Do you ever come across stuff like that? Um, well, let's see. I think um, one thing that stood out, and I wonder if I read it in Philip Norman's biography first and then just forgot about it because I'd read it a long time ago, but I was reading uh, Tom Doyle's book on Elton, which the name escapes me now. I want to say Rocket Man, but that's probably not it. Uh, it's a really good book, though, and it just focuses on Elton in the 70s. And he wrote about this show that Elton did, or not even a show, really, just performance at Shoreditch University, which that one just kind of blew my mind. It's 77, I think. And he's just at home watching TV. And Shoreditch University was going to have this music performance that night, and their act couldn't show up. Someone said, oh, well, Elton John doesn't live far away. Let's see if he'll do it. You know, I think they probably thought that more as a joke, even though he did indeed live not too far away. So they go over and knock on the door and the butler comes in and says, oh, are these students here that want to talk to you? And they ask, oh, our act canceled. Would you come by and perform for us tonight? And he said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now that one I put in because it just seems so improbable. I mean, right. I'm sure yeah. too. You know, and and he did. They he showed up later and played about a half hour set. They could not move the grand piano out of the chapel, so we had to do the show in the chapel. And at first, the students were they they came back and said, "Oh, Elton John's coming tonight." And people were, "Yeah, right. You've got Elton coming. Yeah, pull the other one." But then you know, it turned out to be Elton, and the chapel gets stuffed. Um, so that I was just something. googled that book while you were talking, and it's it's Captain Fantastic. Oh, okay, yeah. Elton John's stellar trip through the seventies. Tom Doyle, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a good book on Paul McCartney too. Man on the Run, also kind of similar thing. Looking at him in the seventies. So yes, I nice. would recommend that one. Uh, very entertaining. Um, and this, uh, I guess maybe this is something I knew, but working on the book, I got a new appreciation for it, and uh, it's not really a thing it's more a character attribute so i don't see how you could really list it in there but i really developed quite an appreciation for his work ethic because this guy just never stops unstoppable uh, you yep. know you could you could see why he'd be hustling a lot in the late 60s and through the 70s you're working hard to make it you do make it and so you got that first flush of fame but you know we're talking about him playing with other people later you know he continued to do that all through his career and not even a big duet where it's the two of you. <clears throat> Sorry, with um that's all right with Leon Russell. Oh uh, yeah. But he revived his career. I mean Yeah, but then he'd be doing amazing. all these other things. Like he played on a track on Allison Chain's uh Black Gives Way to Blue album. Um I think that's the name of it. Anyway he plays piano on a track and you know not the big thing that they release Allison Chains with Elton John. He's just there kind of as a backing musician. And yeah. uh, this is at a time when he doesn't need to do that in his career, but he obviously enjoys it so much. Yeah. You know, playing with Brandy Carlisle or, or whoever he's performed. Dua Lipa or whatever. Yeah. I mean, just think yeah. if you expanded into that, all the guest appearances he's made. That Crazy. Not main, like with Kate Bush, obviously that's his voice there, but he's done the other things where he's like with Allison Chains, just playing piano. <laughs> yeah. 
Can you yeah, imagine? I agree. Uh, quite the work that? ethic. He never stopped. Like even when his popularity kind of waned in the U.S. after the Rolling Stone admission, um, you know, he and Ray Cooper went to Russia and there was always something going on. He never just went home and gave up or relaxed. You know, he even says in his biography that there was at one point when he was recovering um, from a medical procedure where he was home for a week and he didn't know what to do with himself. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That work ethic was phenomenal. So tell us about, do you have any that you're either working on now, any new uh, writings or ones that, you know, you would love to kind of dig into? Um, well, let's see. The, the brief thing on, on stuff doing now, I'm actually, I'm doing Bruce Springsteen at 75. So Oh, you are? Going through his things. And then um, Cordo, I don't know if this will be on Motorbooks or another imprint. But I just contributed a chapter to a book I think is going to turn out to be very interesting. It's all about um, vinyl records. And I believe at this point it's called Into the Groove. And I'm assuming that's coming out next year because I turned in my chapter. My chapter's on record stores. Ooh. So that was fun to write, like the history of record stores. That's near and dear to my heart. Yeah, you know, I worked for an yeah. indie retailer. And I worked for Tower Records for nearly five years, and so did my brother, as you probably know. So, um, I've spent a lot of time in in record stores. So I'm I'm really I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, ask Steve when it's coming out because I don't even know for sure. Okay. But other chapters right. would be on. I know, like um, you know, record cover art, and I don't really know what the other subjects are. I just sort of focused on mine. So uh, fun. Yeah, that that was interesting to learn and just sort of seeing how initially there weren't record stores because there weren't enough recordings out there to really justify having a store. No, they were in department app. stores, right? Or I mean, you'd go in and buy a yeah. shops that sold other things. Yeah. Obviously starting with appliances that made sense there, but then they just kind of, kind of grew, grew to everywhere. I just watched that documentary about tower records within the last year. Yeah. Well, it's good. Great, it's a great documentary. Yeah. I've yeah. got a poster of it up. All things must pass. <laughs> Jillian, yeah. do you have a um a wish list artist that you would love to do some form of a book on? That's almost a pure passion for you. Yeah. I'd like to do a a, a good serious Yoko Ono biography. Yeah. That would yeah, that that'd be something to really <laughs> dig into because of just, you know, the life as well as well as the art. Um Kate Bush, I like, but I don't know what you could really do after Graham Thompson's book. Yeah, uh, that's the best biography on her and probably really the only one that they can do so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe a day by day book on Nirvana. Good one. Yeah. With great pictures and all that. Of course, they've been out there so much. I'd like. Yeah, there's always that. new stuff to find. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was the Beatles that got me interested in rock music. And it would be great to do a, a good Beatles book, but I'm not sure what angle you would take. Well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking as you're going through all this. It's like, you know, just a biography on an artist, you know, in this day and age, biographies alone are almost like, oh, okay, yeah, there's a million biographies unofficial authorized you name it it's the angle that you can take as to yeah you know are you just writing 
about them in the 70s? Are you writing about yeah. this one period, this one yeah. album? Has this, this one story tour? been told? Are you yeah. writing about this one relationship that you can start digging into it? Because I don't know, I, I almost feel like, you know, when, when you get a great biography and you love it, you're almost like, wow, they covered everything in that biography, <laughs> but they also only covered it from a 10,000 foot level because you had to fit an entire life into mm -hmm. a few hundred pages. Yeah. And I'm like, couldn't we do a few hundred pages just on this album? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the only thing I would add to that, Mike, is that especially with the Beatles, Jillian, is that, as you know, there's the Beatle myth. Right. There's a story that the Beatles have told or, you know, for years, this is how the Beatles. But the truth of what really happened, um, you know, it started to be revealed with Shout and then later, you know, with other publications. But there's the story that the band likes to tell you yeah. is the story <laughs> of the band. But then there's, you know, the truth underneath that. And I think that would be fun to kind of dig up some of that, not necessarily dirt, but just some of the facts and things surrounding uh, the Beatles or other you, artists. You, you like know, that. As, you're, as you're mentioning that, Jay, it's almost like, wouldn't it be a fun book where it's a book filled with the myth and the truth? <laughs> where, you know, and, and, and this isn't just the Beatles. This is every artist, especially back in the 70s and stuff where we know the record labels and publicists would get very creative creating these backs backstories for an artist that mm -hmm. aren't true i mean you know and again as kiss fans i mean it's notorious oh you know gene simmons <laughs> spits his own blood and ace fraley is from planet Gendel. as as kids <laughs> in the 70s you believed it but wouldn't it be a fun book to pick an artist and go okay this chapter we're going to talk about 1976 and the first five pages are the myths that mm -hmm. were put in in press in record you know the the liner notes whatever it is and then the next five pages are okay so here's what really happened no he wasn't from there no he didn't right. go here yes <laughs> he was married to this person no he wasn't single you know it, it I, i'm not I don't think it would shatter any myths because we're in an age now where everything is, there's no myths anymore. It's out there. It's out somewhere. there, but it would be a there, fun, it would be yeah. a fun, it would be a fun reading to be able to immediately correlate. This is what was said in the bio that was released for the album. And this is the reality of what happened that year. Yeah. And Mike, you and I were just talking earlier, like, for example, Cheap Trick at Budokan, the audio on that album was recorded at Osaka, not Budokan. You know, things like that, uh, I think would be really fun for people to learn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or um... so, so Jillian, um, where can people, first of all, see all of your great work and where can they buy it, you know, find it and where can they learn more about you? Well, let's see a couple thing, couple places. <laughs> um, I have a an Amazon writer page at Amazon or a writer page at Amazon, I guess I should say. There is one there and that shows you um, all the books. And I think even books I just contributed to where I'm not cited as the main author. Um, of course, I always like to get in my plug for independent bookstores. Uh, any good independent bookstore can order a book as long as it's in print 
So, you know, I urge you to patronize your, if you want to buy a book, get it from your favorite local independent bookstore. In Seattle, that would be Elliott Bay Book Company. I know in Portland, that would be Powell's Books. Uh, but, oh, the best. Yeah, hopefully you have good places like that where you are. What, you said L.A., yeah. so Book Soup is down there, right? Yeah. 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 Is that a good place? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's not as big as Powell's, but what is, yeah. um, but <laughs> you know, I like if you're in the Denver area, tattered cover is really amazing. You know, if you're searching out bookstores, where can people learn more about you, Jillian? Um, let's see now on Facebook, I have, I guess they call it a fan page, which just means it's not a personal page that right. has to approve you. And that's Jillian Gar writer, all yep. one word. And, yep. um, I'll post links to articles I've written, or if I'm speaking somewhere, uh, <clears throat> that'll be posted there. Uh, it's nice. actually better than my personal page. I don't post every article I write on that page. It'd be too overwhelming. Yeah. And yeah. on Twitter, I'm at, at Jillian Gar, all one thing. And even without the little check mark, that is really me. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. So those would be the main places online. Great. Awesome, Jillian, Jillian, great job on, on all of your work, but especially this, this Elton John one just blew me away and I, I highly okay. recommend it. And uh, my brother just texted me and said to tell you, he said, hi. So, oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Say, Hello. Yes. All right. <laughs> Jillian, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank yeah. you, Jillian. Thank Take you. care. Take care. All right. Visit discmakers.com to place an order for 100 or more CDs. And when you check out, use promo code FREEBIZ and get free shipping up to a 150. Fun discussion. You know, it's it's it it's fun sometimes to sort of, quote, take the, the day off from doing strategy and and best practices yeah. and just talk about rock and roll. Talk as a about fan. music, and music yeah, as a fan. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's why we're here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you know, we always say that when it comes to your music marketing and your strategy, never forget that you're a fan, never forget your fans, never forget what excites them, but we're fans. And sometimes yeah. we just want to talk about music. Yeah. And I like watching big artists meet their idols. One night I was backstage at a show and Paul Stanley met Robbie Krieger from the doors. And I saw in him, what other people, when they were meeting Paul, it's like, oh my gosh, Paul Stanley, and will you sign this? He was a kid again. He was a fan again. So it doesn't matter if you're Elton John or Elvis Presley or whoever you are, you're a you, fan of somebody you, else. I too. always say that you never forget what you are a fan of. And, you know, as you brought up Paul, I remember a, a, a conversation I had with him. I had done an interview with him, but what was done, so we were just having a casual conversation. And I think I was asking about what kind of music did he grow up as a kid listening to? And, yeah. you know, he immediately was like, oh, the pretty things. You know, I love the pretty things. And then he started talking like a fan about yeah. the pretty things. And yeah. it was just. Yeah, it's pretty it's, cool. It's pretty cool to see somebody who is an artist of that level becoming a fan at our level. Yeah. Because at heart, to your point, they're in it because it's who they are and they're yep. fans of people too. And yep. don't ever forget that. It's, yeah, it's, it's got, it's gotta be interesting to be somebody like Paul McCartney. Cause there's yeah. gotta be so many, a list 
musicians 100 percent, who yeah. like just melt if they get the opportunity to meet paul mccartney yeah i mean there's almost there could be a whole book there jillian there's mm -hmm. a book idea for you there all the people <laughs> who have met paul mccartney you know yeah, what was yeah. that what was that moment for them right but he was a fan like he was a huge fan of little richard yep for example yep Right. And, and same with Elton John in, in the book, it talks about he loved Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis. And I think that's really important um, to find out who your favorite artists, who are they a fan of? Yeah. What 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 makes them get goosebumps? Yeah. When they're in the presence yeah. of somebody or, you know, they're yeah. like, oh, I can't go over and talk to them. You know, you yeah. know, it, I can't, you know, it. it funny i mean you you mentioned the three sides of the coin podcast this past week we interviewed mitch weissman mm -hmm. from beatlemania but he's written music for so many people and he was telling us a story of like the, one of the first times in the 70s he was at a, a party and paul stanley was there and they talked and they got along and paul gave him his phone number and he went home and he's like i can't call him it's Paul Stanley. I can't call him. And and he goes, the next time I saw Paul, Paul goes, why didn't you call me? Yeah. He goes, he punched me in the shoulder. He goes, I gave you my number. I wanted you to call yeah. me. Why didn't you call me? Yeah. Because you're Paul Stanley. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we all have our fans. I just watched a screener of the John Waite documentary that comes out December 6th. And they show the behind the scenes footage of when he toured with Ringo Starr. You know, the Ringo Starr has this all-star band and it's a different band every tour. And this particular tour was like Colin Hay from Men at Work. And it was John Waite. And John was so thrilled that he got to perform live with one of the yeah. Beatles. Yeah. You know, we're all fans. We're, we're all yeah. fans of something. Cool. So, yeah, never forget that. Um, so um, before we wrap up here, just head over to Artist Community at bands in town you can find that easily at bandsintown.musicbizweeklypodcast.com who are you a fan of okay you're 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 either somebody in the industry if you're listening to this or you're a musician but who are you a fan of who have you met that gave you goosebumps or who would you die to have the opportunity to meet that would make you remember what it's like to be that 12 year old fan again yeah um all right and a quick shout out thank you to bruce and everybody at hypebot and bands in town for all you do to support us and of course to our sponsors bandzoogle.com and discmakers.com thank you so much we greatly appreciate it um that's it for the music biz weekly podcast we'll see everybody next week and industry professionals listen to the music biz weekly podcast if you have a product or service and would like to reach this audience, get in touch with Michael or Jay to discuss sponsorship this opportunities. For Music Biz Weekly, provided by LarryDavisVoice.com and by JessicaMarsVoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.